Are your customer acquisition costs too high? Lifetime values too low? Are you uncertain if your communication strategies are helping or hurting the efficiency and effectiveness of your marketing efforts? Welcome to the Continuous Revenue Marketer podcast, where the most influential marketers in the world are sharing their insights and lessons on the critical topics they and their chief executives must address daily. How to drive consistent business growth by delivering more revenues through profitable acquisition and customer lifetime value maximization strategies. What you will hear today by listening to this podcast are the actual strategies and tactics our marketing experts are using to achieve these critical missions. Hi, I'm Russell Kern, CEO and founder of Kern, an Omnicom agency, and I'm joined with my co-host and producer, Elliot Dennis. And today I'm really excited to welcome what I would call a friend and a colleague and someone I have the highest respect for, Mr. John Wells, the U.S. president of the RAP Network. And John, it is an absolute pleasure to have you here with us today. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's an, it's an honor to be here. And uh, yes, we have known each other for quite a long time. And uh, a friend is an understatement in my view. So yeah, appreciate have, the, uh, the intro. We have good luck. Given your expertise as the U.S. president and your long career in marketing, would you just give a quick overview of your journey? And then we're going to get into where the world has migrated to for CMO. So how did you get to your role? And, and what, what has made you successful in this role? Yeah, I mean, so I call myself the accidental marketer. So if you go all the way back to where, uh, where I started, I got out of college. I was the 25-year-old intern because I didn't know where I was going or what I was doing and kind of fell backwards into it. Um, and it stuck. So I started in, in the branding world at uh, an Omnicom agency called DDB and spent a good a fair amount of time there. Um, and when I was starting, this, this idea of integrated marketing and direct marketing was just kind of taking off. And I thought that the, the measurement of direct marketing and the data-driven approach was much more interesting than, than the branding approach because you could see what you were doing and how you were making an impact with the client business in, in almost real time back then. Um, and so I started that progression and I just started in account management, um, and, and liked it, liked understanding clients, problems and challenges, liked working in integrated groups across disciplines with creative and strategists and, and, uh, technology folks and really solving solutions. So I just kind of went from one account job to the next account job. And it was really around, um, just you know, working hard and, and focusing on, on what you've got, right? I, I try to, I heard this from the Navy SEALs and I thought this was great. I try to make my world small, right? If you think about all of the things that you have to accomplish in the big picture, you'll, you'll, you'll be paralyzed by anxiety and stress and just get crushed of all the things you have to do. So in keeping my world small and working on what's in front of me and the next task and the next task and the next task, and just trying to do it really as best you can, um, has really enabled me to, to, to get where I am today. So, you know, the conversations are the similar kind of from when you're an account executive to where I am today. Uh, just the stakes are, are higher, I guess I would say. Yeah. So John, I think because most of our audience will CMOs and you and I have worked together on accounts. We've competed against accounts. <laughs> Wait, let's be clear. You beat me on accounts. Is that what you're really trying to say? <laughs> no, I'm not. What I am, what I do think would be really important because I know is sharing the lessons that you've learned. And I'll try to add the lesson that I have learned from the CMOs that we've worked with. So, you know, granted, you've had success as your career on the account side, but now for the CMOs, what have we learned 
what, you know, I could, I can name one that was the toughest one we've ever had who taught me the most, but you've worked with many. Let's think about three CMOs and what are some of the big lessons that we've learned and they've shared with us that we could share back to other CmOs yeah are you talking about just from a kind of a, a relationship and yeah. how we work with them or are you talking I, about, kind I think of from about a marketing, a, or, like or a, mar- a marketing philosophy I'll give you an example like we shared a CMO at direct TV mm-hmm. and you know what what that CMO shared with us was his relentless unhappiness he called it you know <laughs> he had a better name for it than we have right now but he was re- the relentless pursuit of continuous improvement with the incredible drive of nothing else and he was willing to go to the mat for his company to break through right and his passion and direction was raised us as agencies for him to levels of work because he was so authentic and passionate. And it's like, wow, you really taught me a lot. So think a lesson like that. I have another one, but let me flip it over to you. Yeah, I mean, I think I'll answer that in two ways. One is, uh, and that's great context, is in the CMOs that I have worked with, there's no right way to do it. I've worked with uh, several CMOs and they all have a very different approach. So I know that CMO that you're talking about and and have experience in that and, and can get where you're going. So what I mean by that is one of the CMOs that we work with today really drives his business through his people and not only through his people, but how his people are relating to the agencies that he's working with. So he believes that if he has got the right configuration of people, he is helping his people in regards of their personal and their professional lives. And he's hired the right folks that they will then do what's in the best interest of the business. So if he's got a clear mission for the business and a clear understanding of what they're trying to achieve, he runs it through the people And then from an agency relationship perspective, I have never worked with another CMO that is more um, relentless on his team's accountability to the outcomes of marketing related to how he works with us. When I talk to him, I go fishing all the time. Are we doing a good job? How are we doing it? What are we doing? And he'll give us some, some, some criticism and some feedback, but it always reverts back to my team isn't doing X, Y, and Z. So I'm going to talk to them how they should be relating to you and how they should be expressing our mission and our goal. So that that CMO is 100% around his people, his relationship with his marketing agencies, and it all drives through through the folks, which was a perspective that I had not seen until until this CMO. So I thought it was a very, a very different approach. Oh, that's very interesting. So I'll give you one, and then maybe I'll give you time to think of a second yeah. one. So yeah. the one that I remember was, you have to have a common enemy. I remember the CMO saying is, who is the enemy? Because yeah. the mind of the consumer needs something to push against. <clears throat> and if we don't create an enemy that we're pushing against, then our messaging will not work. And I'll right. never have forgot, I never forgot that lesson, which is, yeah. and especially now as we study the neuroscience, why that's so important of the contrast between we're not that, you know who that is, that enemy, but we're this. And I was like, wow, that is a genius marketing strategy. So maybe you got one more that you can be thinking about. Uh, Yeah, I do. And thank you for that, that, because that really spurred uh, some thoughts. There was a a client, a long-term client of ours that that we work with and and still work with today. And on that same vein, in terms of not necessarily a common enemy, they kind of have a different tactic, but it, it spurred my thoughts, which is the CMO said to me, we are never going to be first to market. We're always going to be second, but we're going to do it better than anybody else. Wow. So they innovate and they do things like that. And, and they're not 
afraid of innovating, but they do take a little bit of a, a, of a step back and say, okay, let's work off some of the failures of others or see what others are doing. Then we're going to take that back and we're just going to leapfrog them and we're going to do it better than, than them. And if that takes us a month, great. If that takes us a year, fine. If that takes us you know, five years, fine. They don't have a horizon on when they're going to do it. They just want to be the best and they're going to draft off of others in that, in that regard. And that's not to say they don't ever innovate, but when they're talking about big decisions, they're always playing the long game and they want to beat you um, through just being better than you and even taking things from you. Well, I, you have to give credit. Let's just, Hey, I don't want to be the pioneer. I'm watching 1883 <laughs> And I, and I see the pioneers and nothing good is yeah. about to happen. In right. Yeah. Well, nothing yeah. good is happening on their yeah. journey to Oregon. Yeah. So let's yeah. talk about uh, because of your perspective across the U.S. as the U.S. president of all the RAP offices, what and we're just coming out of the pandemic and who knows what we're going to what's going to be in 2022, 2023. What are they talking about as the trends to you? What are they speaking to you about? what they want to accomplish this year. What, what are you hearing from the world, from the U.S., in the U.S. of marketers? Yeah, I mean, I think what they're trying to accomplish, and it's, it's going to sound a little cliche. I'll answer that in two, in two parts. One yes, is yes. one of the biggest themes that I am seeing across, and it probably won't become a surprise, is the talent issue. So we on the agency side are always worried about talent. It's an open U.S. market. You can live anywhere, really work anywhere from a rope perspective. And, and talent's a at a premium and people are, are, are leaving in droves and they're finding new places to work, stuff like that. Clients are not immune from that. I've had, and I, this has never happened to me before. I've had three CMOs ask me directly, is my team doing okay? Because we are seeing a lot of attrition and we want to make sure that we are still delivering on what you need to perform your jobs. I have never heard that in as long as I've been doing it. And I thought that was great. So one is they're laser focused on their organization and their talent and their people. Now, to answer your second question from a marketing perspective is the world, as we know, has completely changed. Everybody having been you know, in, in the house for a long period of time, everything has come to them. So the, the, the notion of customer experience has changed dramatically from even just two and a half years ago. And so they're all trying to figure out what is the next iteration of it. Because we went from, you've been around long enough, to a completely physical world, to getting into more digital, and then to this balanced physical digital world. And then COVID has accelerated to just more and more of a digital world. When we're coming out of that, what is what is the balance and what does that look like between you know, um, physical and digital and, and is it still integrated or are there two kind of identities at the consumer level is, is that this digital experience, but then you have a different kind of physical, you know, identity and, and person. And so they're wrestling with how much of the world has changed is sticking and how much of it is going to revert back and what's the balance. Yeah. I think that's very, so, uh, I, I sense that the human, because we approach it from the neuroscience perspective, will want the physical experiences. We all love Disneyland. We all love getting out. We all love shopping for its experience. But that retail location, as they projected, might not be the inventory location, you right. know, or it might be just a room. So, yeah, it's going to be a, and look at how different the car industry is yes. in terms of we're selling direct DTC. Who would have thought the auto industry is build it or ship it to you? Right. I mean, what a world that is. Hey, 
Yep. Drive it wherever you want, and then we're shipping it to you. There's a yep. lot, so much. And, and of course, in banking, it's, I'm not going to physical. Are you kidding me? I'm going to do it all digital. It's really interesting. Yep. Elliot, maybe you want to now have John delve into personalized marketing at scale and his views of that as it relates to CRM, what's new about it. Let me throw that over to you, Elliot. Yeah, thanks, Russell. Um, and John, I know you've spoken about this in the past. So do you feel that the term CRM is still relevant today, given how consumers want to be approached, treated, and appreciated by brands differently than in the 1980s when you know customer relationship management was first termed? I, I do. I think it's even more relevant today. And quite frankly, whatever you call it, I think it's just, it, it's now to me, it's just what marketing is. I mean, it's just pervasive. It's everywhere. If you're not thinking about personalized marketing scale and CRM in everything you're doing, then, then you're not going to win um, or you're not, you're not going to succeed. I think it's interesting. You brought up kind of the past. I think CRM has some baggage today just because of the kind of the way, you know, it used to be below the line. It wasn't sexy. It was confused with sales. Is it a platform? Is it a strategy? Is it a methodology? You know, and then we came into kind of, it came into its glory age, so to speak. And now I think it, it, it just is. And, you know, I'm not disparaging the value of brand. Brand is exceptionally important and it makes kind of the sales process easier knowing a known recognized brand for what you stand for. But every experience that you have with a consumer has to have some type of value in both directions. Like, why am I talking to this brand? And what is the brand getting out of the consumer to kind of build that relationship, so to speak, um, longer term? So I, it absolutely is relevant and probably more relevant today than it was, you know, last year or 10 years ago. Yeah, you know, and as we've worked together as, as two agencies, and you've spoken on this, and so have we on this podcast, you know, personalization and scale. So, you know, what do you feel is the big news from your perspective on personalization and scale and how that's going to drive all these consumer experiences moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I think it it uh, comes in a couple different phases. One is, you know, it, which hasn't gone away is how are we using people's data? Like, I think the definition of privacy has changed over time and people expect personalization at scale and they expect to have those relevant experiences, but just making sure that you're doing it in, in a proper and, and meaningful way. And there's some data challenges that are coming up with the deprecation of cookies uh, and things like that. But if you're not managing the expectations of consumers and delivering what they're giving you, you're doing a, them a disservice and, and you're doing a self a disservice. And I think the technology has gotten to a place where um, we've kind of crossed over that content gap and the automation allows us to truly talk to people in a personalized way at scale. Um, but but you have to be doing it in a meaningful and, and respectful respectful way, which I don't know is necessarily new, but as the proliferation of data becomes available and the channels that you can personalize become more and more available. Like who would have thought we'd had addressable TV 20 years ago, right? So everything is addressable. And if you're not doing it in all the channels, uh, you're missing the boat, um, but you gotta be doing it in a thoughtful way. If that okay, so, I, so I have a follow-up to that, which is, so that everyone's got the technology, that's a commodity. Everyone yep. could do it eventually. Where is the uniqueness the agency brings to the CMO? What is our value of implementation from your perspective? Well, I think there's a couple different places, but where I thought you were going is, is, is kind of where you went. But I, one thing I would say is what we're seeing is in this world is I, I got this actually from Omnicom University is speed is a competence, right? So it used to be good, fast, cheap, pick two. Yeah. No, uh -uh, no, <laughs> gone. I want all three, right? So 
if you can deliver the ROI on that, that's where, where, where it comes in. But the speed to market and personalization at scale, like you can't take weeks, months, whatever, anymore to get to market with things that are relevant. Like it's tomorrow um, because guess what? The next day it's going to change. So um, I think we have quickly gotten into that, that frame, mind frame um, and we're getting better and faster. Um, I think there is, you know, some, some level playing field that you just said in terms of, of how people can do it. The differentiator is how fast you can do it and how fast you can adapt. I, and, you know, I also want to go to this piece of relevancy because our job is the human connectivity, right? What, so what does relevancy mean from, from your perspective or some of your clients? Because that's such a broad term. So what does relevancy, communicate with relevancy mean? Relevancy is, is, a, yeah, is a big word and, and it means a lot of things. I think to me, the simplest way to do it is make sure you're not irrelevant. And what I mean by that is you don't have to have all of the, the bits and bops and everything down to like, you know, you're a blue eyed person, you have kids and stuff like that. Just acknowledge who they are and some relevant piece of information like you've worked with them before they bought from you before their last purchase was this they did an in-store visit they mm. looked at a vehicle right you don't have to boil the ocean to use an overused term to be relevant you just have to have that one piece of information that lets the consumer know you understand who i am to some degree and you've given me something of or attempted to give me something of value so that's good. You don't have, it's not about perfection. It's about, Hey, don't pretend you don't know me. If you know me a little bit, just show your hand and we're going to feel a lot better because I'm not expecting you to be my best friend. I'm still, you're still just the brand. You're still just a provider of service to me. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that term relationship, right? Do people, do people like, what does that mean? Right. I'm not going to date my financial institution. Right. So relationship is important, but let's be real on what relationship means, right? Right, right. That's a good point. All right. So you have seen multiple implement, implementations of personalization at scale. And I think the question, if I was a CMO is, yeah, what's the ROI in all this, John? What have you seen? Why should I go on this journey that everyone's talking about now? Maybe you could share a couple of success stories or wins without breaking any confidentiality. Yes. So what we have tried to do with clients um, from an ROI perspective is, you know, you're never going to get away from how much did I spend and what did I get, right? That like we're all in, we're all for-profit businesses and that's the game the game that we're playing. What we have tried to do is align CMOs to enterprise-wide metrics that are then supported by kind of the the the, the smaller metrics. And what I mean by that is if you're looking at channel metrics, right, we're never going to get away from open rate, click through rate. We're never going to get rid of rid of conversion rate. We're never going to get rid of all of those day to day metrics that are so important. But what does that mean to an organization at the macro level? Because organizations have been siloed for a long period of time, and people are working in in contradictory areas. So how are we bringing that all together so that people are measured more? based on large common goals and how do their individual goals ladder up to that? Because you don't want to have conflict within organizations saying that I want to sell my product. So take financial financial services, for, for example, someone is in the market for a loan. There are different loans that they can, that they can get. Don't have different 
groups within that organization fighting with the same customer for different products? What is the right product for that person that is also going to be a value to the business? So you're weighing what is the business value, what is the consumer value, and then how does that translate into business business ROI? Um, yeah. So it really starts from the top all the all the way down. I don't believe that you forego all of the the day to day metrics for these airy fairy Uber metrics. Um, you've got to make them all work together. And have you seen big wins of those clients that you have implemented personalized marketing at scale? Are they getting big wins? Yes. And the reason that I'm pausing is I'm trying to think of of, of tangible examples. Um, so we have seen some large wins from personalization at scale. The challenge that we're facing right now is, which we always face, but now in particular is what are the market dynamics that are driving those wins versus the marketing that we're putting out that's driving those wins, right? So that's- <laughs> That's fascinating. Yeah, good point. That's where you have to go. And so what we also try to do through our marketing sciences is, and it's hard, what is the incrementality? So when you see big wins, clients' businesses are thriving in certain areas, but we try to help them understand what is the incremental value that we delivered? If we had done nothing, you would have gotten X. Because of what we did, you, we, we did Y. And you try to normalize for, for some level of market conditions. You know, the automotive industry is ridiculous right now. Everybody, I mean, lots of markets are ridiculous right now, but they can't keep cars on the lot and they're going for ridiculous prices, right? So they're having profit, banner profit years. Is that because of the marketing? No, that's no. because of the supply chain and the demand and what's out there. But if we can say that we drove incremental in this crazy world, that's the that's the value. And, and those to me are quote unquote big wins. Yeah, thanks, John. My, my closing question is that you've shared a lot about how CMOs can look ahead to evolve and transform their marketing organizations. So as you've implemented a lot of these programs for your clients, what are just maybe two recommendations you might give to help them avoid some unforeseen pitfalls that you've learned along the way? Yeah, so I don't know necessarily it's a, if, if it's a pitfall, but I think as they're trying to anticipate the future, the more things you try and the more things you test, the more times you're going to succeed, but you're going to fail far more times than you're going to succeed. So if CMOs have the expectation that I'm going to work with my marketing agency or I'm going to do these interesting things and I'm going to try 10 and I'm going to get success with seven. You're kidding yourself, right? A Hall of Fame baseball player batted 300. If we had three out of 10 wins that had a big marketing impact, I would call that a success. So plan for more failures than successes, I would suggest as you're looking for the future. That's a really good one. Mm -hmm. I, I want to have one which is attrition. You know, you we both on the agency and client side are dealing with employee attrition. Have you found anything that's that's keeping them or have you seen anything in the marketplace that your clients are using to keep, to reduce that attrition issue? So what we have seen, uh, we and we've done a lot of analysis on this, but it didn't take a ton to get to the answer, which is a contradictory term. But most, the vast majority of the people we are seeing leaving our organization were hired in this time period. So... The folks that have been here three, five years that were prior to COVID were having a much larger attrition, um, deep, less attrition, excuse me, than that. So the, the point is, how are you onboarding those um, employees during this time period? Uh, one of my colleagues said about RAP, which is our culture got us through this and we were able to thrive through this because of our culture. Now that we come out of it, we have to make sure that we continue to build off of that culture and that we don't lose it. Now, it may change a little bit. So 
I think you have to really understand how we, we are doubling down on the onboarding of new employees while not ignoring the old ones, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes okay. And I think it for, for CMOs is whether it's hybrid or on-premise or 100% virtual, yeah. those first 90 to 180 days are critical for connecting a new yeah. person with the organization because the old ways aren't there. And yeah. and and so yeah. loving them from, from day one and day two and really the coaching process, the senior yeah. leaders are one thing, but it's that big middle, it's the doers. It's the army that really yeah. needs the love, and you, we just can't assume they're going to stick because they're a, they're a new job away, they're a new phone call away. You know, yeah. I just pick up my phone. So I think yeah. onboarding seems to be critical. I know that's happening on our side as well. So John, yeah. I want to thank you for sharing your wisdom with me and um, your time today. And I hope we get a chance to have another conversation on a new topic. And on behalf of Elliot and myself, I want to thank everyone for listening. Please make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any other future episodes. And until next time, I'm Russell Kern. The Continuous Revenue Marketer has been brought to you by Kern, an Omnicom precision marketing agency that helps Fortune 500 companies increase revenue from customer acquisition to loyalty through personalization at speed and scale. For more information, please visit kernagency.com.